0: Hello, fellow news listeners. This is Dan Cavallari, your friendly neighborhood tech editor, and we are going to embark upon another tech podcast today. And I wanted to talk a little bit about. A word that is often misused in our industry, and that word is standard. And of course, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? It's the bottom bracket. Uh, we, we seem to have a plethora of bottom bracket standards, which you put that in quotes because it's not really a standard uh, because there are so many of them. Well, I wanted I wanted to kind of wade through the sea of bottom brackets and and find out why there's so many different kinds, where they all came from, and and where we're going, uh, and also you know what exactly the bottom bracket is. I know I know we all know that it spins your cranks, but what what is this crucial part of your bike? So to get a sense of of what we're talking about, when we're talking about bottom bracket development and and where bottom brackets have been, uh, where they're going. I wanted to get in touch with some some folks who knew a lot better. Than I did. And so today we're going to be talking to JC Sip from Chris King Components. He is the design manager over there and was uh, very involved with the development of the T47 bottom bracket. Now, if you've never heard of the T47, that's okay because it's pretty new. Uh, But what it aims to do is combine the best of threaded bottom brackets and unthreaded ones. So that's one of the things we're going to talk about today. Is why did the threads disappear all of a sudden? Uh, You know, for years and years and years, uh, bottom brackets were threaded into your frame, and then all of a sudden, threads went away, and we had these press fit options that creaked like crazy why did that happen well we're going to talk to jay today a little bit about that jay mm-hmm. thanks for joining us yes uh jay uh, you're welcome jay's jay's joining us via skype from from portland where it is strangely enough hotter and drier than it is here in colorado today how you how you holding up up there
1: well, i'm holding up pretty good you know we're looking forward to some rain and right now we don't have any which is unusual but anyways um things are uh
0: Things are smoky, but things are smoky. That definitely sounds yeah. like a, a Colorado day to me. Um, let's jump right in. Uh, and and we'll talk a little bit about uh, what a bottom bracket really is. Now we know, we know that it's, it's a, you know, a part of your, your frame where your, your cranks are connected, but beyond that, what exactly does the bottom bracket do?
1: Well, it, it's a, it's a part that, you know, when I think about it, it's a part that obviously fills the bottom bracket shell which is that hole hanging down in the bottom of their um um horizontal line between your two axles and um it uh f- it allows a it allows the it's the buffer between the shell and the spindle that houses a bearing and um you know it, it makes your s- cranks spin it allows uh you to be able to transfer now power from the cranks directly to the rear wheel without hopefully a lot of um deflection from um from the you know from both parts so the the the, the bearing is there to basically hold a you know, hold the parts, I mean, hold the part in place so that there's no real flex and it allows you to spin the part. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, that's my definition of the bottom bracket.
0: Okay. So in addition to spinning your cranks and, and, you know, trying to reduce friction in that regard, it's also supporting an awful lot of weight because, you know, the, the rider is constantly pushing on it. Uh, and, and a lot of the, the, the rider's weight, bears directly onto these uh these bearings um onto the crank arms yeah yeah the crank arms as well so so this is actually a pretty high stress area of the bike correct
1: yeah that that the, on on the frame itself that particular um junk um intersection where the change stays in the seat tube and the down tube that's mainly a part of the bike that people always want stiffer in uh, in carbon frames obviously more material is uh is um is Deployed that area to create that stiffness because that's where you see the most effectiveness of, uh, of, of energy being transferred mm-hmm. from your crank to the back wheel. Right. Um, you know, and as we know, that whole area has changed so much in the just in the recent years. But, you know, that's probably...
0: And, that, and that's essentially why we're seeing a lot of the changes we've seen. Yeah. Uh, but let's let's start from uh, back from the beginning, though. So, I mean, basically since the beginning of, of bottom brackets, they've been threaded into the frame. Um, what are what are some of the benefits of that system, and, and what are some of the problems with it?
1: Well, I mean, I'm not sure if there's any problems with the threads, except for the fact that you know when since I've been You know, 30 years in the bike and 30 years riding bikes. I mean, as far as you know, as a grown up, not like as a kid when I didn't, nothing really mattered. Mm -hmm. Um, the it's always been a threaded bottom bracket, um, for a very long time. And the threads might have, from manufacturer to manufacturer, it might, might have wandered a little bit, but for the most part, there was Swiss, there was French, there was, um, english and you know there's italian right or something like that Mm -hmm. and but you know i'm familiar with the english threads the most because i think i've only had i've only messed with the italian threads a few times and but for the most part the english threads the bsa it's been around the longest as far as what my experience is with it and you know i might have seen some shells or some bike frames that may have been a little bit a little bit sloppy and some shells and some bike frames that are a little bit Tighter, but for the most part, it was one size. And as soon as you locked them down, and the bottom bracket shell bumped into the flange and you locked it down, it stayed tight. You know, Shimano and some other brands created a taper, like a locking ring with a taper against the actual cartridge. And that still helped and stayed and kept things pretty tight against the bottom bracket shell. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and, you know, I, I know eons ago, schwinn had this press in cups with loose ball and the one piece crank arm you know i mean but that worked for maybe the lower end bikes and the older bmx the cheaper kind of bmx bikes entry-level bikes but you know that's as far as i know those are the early kind of presents that i remember mm-hmm. but that's a metal frame and you know and a cheap pretty inexpensive cheap cup that you just banged in there with a two by four and it stayed in, you know, know, nothing creaked, nothing, 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 there was no noise until the bearings went dry. Right. And then you took it all apart and re it and put it back together and off you went, you know. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: So what, what was the, uh, the reason that manufacturers decided it was time to move on from threads?
1: Well, I mean, we saw, we saw in the nineties, some of the tie frames, some of, even some steel frames, to be honest, I can't remember which brands now that went into a press in, um, like where they press the bearings directly onto the frames. I, um, my my suspicion is not having had a lot of experience with tie frames. I mean, Jeremy and I built a handful of frames, but but they were always threaded. My suspicion is that it was a pain in the ass to thread tie. It was, I mean, machining tie is not fun. Um, but definitely tapping and threading and all that stuff definitely isn't fun um i think pressing the bearing in was um maybe a solution for avoiding to have uh, avoiding threads in general but you were pressing the bearing directly onto a onto the onto the bottom bracket shell that's not threaded and you know and those went away pretty quickly and again i don't have any experience with those but i remember seeing them and i always thought like hey that bottom bracket shell is kind of small you know then realizing that, yeah, you have a spindle in the middle and two bearings on one bearing on the left, one bearing on the right, just pressed in until it bottomed out. Then there was a, I don't know, a, uh, a C clip, you know, a retainer that, a retainer ring that kept the bearing from popping out. Which, when those bearings wore, you were kind of stuck because it was a pain in the ass to get out. No one could really get it out unless you're, you have a press and you're in a bike shop and a hammer and, um, and then the bearings eventually you know you couldn't find the bearings so the bearings just, just the bearings just inherently wore out pretty quick
0: mm-hmm. so it sounds like it was, it was so, so it was sort of like an inelegant solution to a machining problem it wasn't even really about get better I can't performance i
1: I can't think of why that would what that would that would have I mean, wh- why that would have come around, mm-hmm. unless there's a, a really good reason. And the reason I can think of is the fact that having have some experience with tie frames and stainless stainless frames, some materials are just not fun. They warp a lot when you weld them, and then you're supposed to send in a uh, a you know a chaser to chase the threads or to re-tap threads because or because of the um, the the the, defle- the deflection in the material. You end up you it, it's just really really difficult and if you can just bore the threads out and press bearings in i'm sure it was i'm sure it was one of the ideas on why those things came around i mean again a few years later they were all gone so oh. um and then we were back to we were back to threaded bottom brackets again for a good decade decade and a half or something right you
0: know? and then fast forward to now and we're back to that same old idea because carbon came along exactly yeah and we're going to talk about that more in in just a moment um so really what just to summarize kind of what what you said here uh you know the idea that uh press fit or you know bearings that were pressed directly into the frames uh without threads uh the idea that 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 added some benefit is not is not necessarily true you know there was nothing wrong with threading bottom brackets in um It was something that came along to serve a certain manufacturing purpose, Uh, and then when they realized it, it really didn't work that well. It went away again, and we were back to threaded. Now this is where it gets interesting because you know, if you're like me, you know, I grew up with square taper. Threaded bottom brackets, and you know, you 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 pop that thing in. You wrote it until it started clunking, and then you pulled it out, and you 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 know you put in another one. And it was, you know, those things were heavy, and they were you know pretty inelegant, and they wore out kind of quickly because those bearings are pretty small. And as we said, you're putting a lot of you're putting a lot of pressure on that thing. So you know, if, if you're like me, you've probably you know gone through a puddle. And you get to the other side, and you get that awful crunching feel in your bottom bracket, and then a couple of days you get a clunk in your bottom bracket. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know that was that was certainly a downside to those those bottom brackets. But then we saw uh, the evolution of that in the in the ten years that you're talking about where we got outboard bearings and yes. tell me a little bit about outboard bearings why those came along uh and and especially when when you consider that they still threaded into a frame we're still in the thread era
1: mhm yeah so you know like like you said earlier um square tapers um you know the early ones when they started to tick, what did you, do? you take it apart? You grease the bearings, you put it back in. And then eventually you got cartridge bearings or cartridge bottom brackets. And then when those things, you know, it clearly says you cannot service them. So they ended up in the bin. And then there's the whole idea of creating a stiffer crank, a stiffer bottom bracket. Um You know, I never really had any issues with square taper and cranks. You know, if you tighten them down, they kind of stay in place. But I guess there's, You know people that wanted something stiffer a little bit more rigid as far as a platform down in the in the bottom bracket area for your parts Mm -hmm. lighter maybe because you know then they can create a bigger spindle that has hollow that's pretty hollowed out you know um and you know moving the bearings out makes sense because then it's even more stiff and and um uh, making you know you can create maybe large uh, larger diameter bearings which um technically has potentially should have more balls therefore should wear better so um you know things th- th- all those things make plenty of sense and you end up you end up now with a um which i thought was a really good system was the when shimano first came out with those outboard cups i believe it was shimano i could be wrong but um and that's where, you know, that's the bottom brackets that Chris King, when we came back, when we came on the market with the actual bottom bracket cups, those that's a system we adapted, you know, BSA threads, in, I mean, English threads, threaded bottom bracket, left, right cups with a uh, bearing on the outboard. and um, And we could use a bearing that we produced in-house that was the, you know, a size that we actually, we didn't have to reinvent a new bearing for it. We just... Pop their bearing in, and it was serviceable, and off off we went, you know, mm-hmm. so I mean, all that makes sense for creating a stiffer, more durable, more standardized um, uh, bottom bracket shell
0: mm-hmm. and it's it's System. worth it's <laughs> worth noting here too that uh, y- there's still plenty of manufacturers out there using the outboard bearing. System. Oh
1: yeah,
0: uh, and and in fact, a lot of companies uh, went back to it after kind of tinkering around with press fit and and things like that. Yeah. Uh, decided that you know we really hit a sweet spot with the outboard bearing uh, threaded system. We're going to go back to that. Um, so it's worth noting that 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 never went extinct, um, but. Why, while we were in that golden era of outboard bearings, uh, huh. we, we sort of had this, uh, this odd transition where, you know, manufacturers started playing with, with, uh, press fit options and largely, uh, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jay, but it seems like that was due to, uh, the popularity of carbon frames. Why would that matter? Uh, why would threads matter in relation to carbon frames?
1: Um, Would when I remember when carbon frames first came out, they had aluminum inserts in the head tube. So they basically they, they had an aluminum, they had aluminum bits inside the frame that they were wrapping the carbon fiber around, like the head tube, for instance, or the bottom bracket shell was a threaded aluminum bottom bracket shell. I mean, I'm assuming that there was a there was um, some some uh, learning curve that had to happen there just because of mater- Certain materials don't play well together you know, end up with um some sort of electronic you know like galvanic corrosion um you have to now wrap the aluminum with fiberglass and all kinds of other materials um and then there's i i think it's it's a it's a time it's time is money then you got the added weight then you have all the um you know there's just all these other issues that come up or other manufacturing um uh steps that come up that could have been, you know, could we cut it out, kind of thing. So, we started to see frames that, at least for us, you know, like we started to see frames in the in the market that was a uh, that was just a open bore hole. And I've seen pictures of uh, of how frames are molded. I've been to a uh, one of the plants that makes some parts for for uh, a frame manufacturer, and you know. I can see how much easier it is to just look at the mold, the two halves. They have a plug that goes into the bottom bracket, a plug that goes in for the head tube, and they just wrap up. They wrap all this material around it, and that takes a lot of time just in itself. You know, all the cutting, all the laser cutting of the material. I mean, the the plotting of the material, all the wrapping, all the all the you know the the filling up that bladder, sticking it in the oven. all And I mean, just so many steps. I, I mean, I don't even know all the steps, but the point is that there's so many steps That cutting out one or two steps in the bottom bracket in the head tube kind of makes sense on a, you know, on a manufacturing, from the manufacturing side. But from a consumer side, and for us that make components, you took away some of the best parts on locking a part onto a frame, like the threads.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, so yeah, we, um, I don't know if you remember this. I I think this still the case that when all the press fit bottom brackets came out, they were kind of they were plastic, so they could, you know, they could um, sort of get pushed into a hole that is not maybe necessarily perfectly round or 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 a standard size, you know. Mm-hmm. So they could adapt to these um, sizes.
0: So now a, a question for you: Can you thread carbon? Uh, you know, like in the bottom bracket shell, could you do that? Could you actually make carbon threads? And and why or why not?
1: Um, I just don't think the material, but the material is, again, this is, I'm not uh, a carbon expert, but I know the material is super durable and very light and very strong in some regard, in some, in, in, it's really it, it I mean, it's definitely very strong for some applications i mean like in in a bike frame but as a as a thread as a small part i don't think the threads will hold up to to the force that you're trying to apply when you are actually locking threads together
0: right right
1: yeah and and to be honest i don't know how you thread carbon or how do you, i'm not, i'm not even sure if you're supposed to you know you can not i don't know if you can even machine carbon very well right. but anyways that's right. my, that's my that's my uh experience
0: with it right so in a sense it sounds like um, <laughs> sorry roadies, I think this might be our fault uh, in the pursuit of the lightest and stiffest frames uh, w- you know we we've sort of created this situation where the only way to maintain threaded systems in carbon is to have you know aluminum inserts and things like that in your bottom bracket which of course adds weight. So in a sense this seems like it might be a response to consumer demand however, the execution wasn't very good. Like you said, those those early press-in systems were, were plastic, and the reason they were plastic is because the tolerances, uh, in order for a press-fit system to work well, and this wasn't something they learned until much later, uh, in order for those systems to work well, those tolerances had to be super, super tight, and they weren't. And so we got these plastic. They were saves. All over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they had to they had to sort of fill those gaps. And so at this point, our listeners are and who've been around long enough. Their blood is probably boiling thinking about the creaking bottom brackets uh, that just about everybody dealt yeah. with when press fit systems came out. And and that was largely due to tolerance issues. And so now we've we've come to a point in in bottom bracket development. And if you you think of this as a timeline uh, where we've sort of blown past a system that worked really well uh, to get to a system that doesn't work well, but sort of has has responded to consumer demand for the lightest systems. And it's also responded to the manufacturer's demands to keep costs uh, as low as possible. And so we've got this perfect storm of carbon that really can't be threaded well without it, some sort of insert, um, and the manufacturing problem of of having to uh, to to have threads down there. So manufacturers basically said, "Well, we're going to get rid of the threads." Um, so now, what what changed aside from aside from losing the threads and and we we're going to pause in this era of creaky bottom brackets that, you know, makes everybody bang their heads against the wall. Well, it's not all bad, right? so these this press fit era, you mentioned that the bottom bracket shells got larger. So there were benefits mm-hmm. to the press fit system. Can oh, you, yeah, can you talk a little bit about what those benefits are?
1: Well, then, you know, we have. The cranks you know they grew now we have a 30 mil spindle that allowed um that allowed for even stiffer crank um then you have um you have the bigger oversized uh holes like the 30 mil uh press fit bottom bracket or the you know the let's just say the bb30 which you know that's a whole different side subject because those bearings went directly onto a onto a basically you took a head tube and laid it on you know horizontally Um, but it allowed for it allowed for a a bigger area in the bottom bracket, especially for carbon fiber frames where you wanted all that stiffness and all that strength. Um, and you can pass, um, di two wires, you can, there's all kinds of things that, I mean, it, there's aesthetic and then there's all the stuff that happens around design and, and, and function and, and which allowed, which to me makes sense for that area to grow. I mean, it, Especially for a carbon fiber frame when you want all the direct transfer of power from the cranks directly to the back wheel.
0: Sure. So so we didn't land on this uh this new quote unquote standard uh, without some benefits, right? So we've got a bigger bottom, bottom bracket shell area. You got uh, more space for for routing cables. You've got, uh, you know, a stronger uh, area uh, for power transfer. The bottom brackets themselves, uh, the bearings were also larger. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. It grew, and, yeah. Yeah. And so what, what's the benefit of having those bigger bearings?
1: Um bigger bearings allowed you more surface area on the inner and outer race allowing more balls so in more actual you know balls inside the bearing um, all that makes for a stronger more durable uh, definitely a longer lasting bearing
0: so for those um, who those those who don't know the anatomy of a bearing, a sealed bearing basically what you have are mm-hmm uh are ball bearings which are basically little little metal or ceramic balls that sit inside what are called races and the races essentially keep the the balls you know lined up uh and in order so that they can spin uh smoothly right and so yeah. by by making that area bigger you can use more bearings which distributes load better uh, and thereby helps the bearings last longer so I remember back in the early 2000s when I was, I was riding, I was still riding square taper, uh, you know, that, that bottom bracket's much smaller. And so by extension, the bearings need to be much smaller. And I would go through a bottom bracket once a year, maybe even, you know, Mm -hmm. twice, twice a year. Um, and, and that's, that's sort of gone by the wayside. You can definitely get more than one season out of a bottom bracket now. I mean, geez, there's some bikes I've been riding that I've never had to change the bottom bracket. I've had them for five, six years. Um so again you know while while those those press fit options definitely have their problems there were benefits and and that's that's sort of where we come to where we are today now i want to ask you about T47 in a moment because i feel like that's the logical extension of what we're talking about but before we get into that i want to talk about how creeks finally went away cuz we're now in an era where a lot of press fit systems actually work uh and they don't creak like crazy uh, how did we get there what's what's changed over the last few years about press fit systems that we're now seeing uh, the creaking problems uh, s- stop
1: um, so I still hear that things still creak so I think um, it in our case, I can only speak for what we do inside this building in a lot of ways is because we, you know, we, you know, we make all our bearings in house, right? We, we machine, we heat treat all that stuff. We, we have an angular contact bearing that is serviceable. So our, what we've done is when we started to see these, um, carbon fiber frames come in and they're all different size bores, you know, they're, they're, they're they're kind of all over the place. And we've had, um, we have to, we have to, press our bearings because our bearings are very thin walled. It's designed just for the, for the bikes. We don't buy bearings off the shelf and, and, um, deploy them all over the bike frames. Um, we have to press our bearing into an aluminum cup. So we never had one of those plastic cups that we pressed our bearing into. Then the, then that plastic cup can now, um, be deployed to any hole, any size hole that, you know, has some, difference between one manufacturer and the other and try to then that having that material absorb the differences so we've had issues in the beginning when we had when we first had press fit um press fit bottom brackets um so we had to readjust the size um uh the the cups remachine cups um make even you know like even work with um with frame builders to actually come up with a size for the board so that our cups really work and and yes and and in some ways we came up with this we came up with some arrangements that allowed the cups to the the, the creeks to to disappear on in our case but you know us bottom bracket spindles grow and whatever other manufacturers do with their bearings because there's materials there's you know the there's quality in the seals i mean there's some some of the seals are just kind of you know not that great some seals are are great and you're good you, you know you want You want their bottom bracket to spin sort of freely without all that drag but at the same time you know you can't sacrifice not having drag because then you won't have good seals and then you know um you get contamination and then one you know that basically you introduce contamination moisture depending on the material your bottom bracket then that all starts to degrade so um i'm not sure if the creaking thing actually went away i think manufacturers just got better at um, creating a, a better product and the tolerances inside the frames got as good as they can i suppose you know mm-hmm. without adding a ton more right Complexities and time in manufacturing.
0: Right, I think I think Jay just saved me from a lot of hate mail and mean tweets uh, by saying that creaking still happens because I don't. I don't want anybody <laughs> out there to be like, oh, this this News guy thinks creaking's gone. Uh, <laughs> yes, creaking, I, I, creaking is alive and well. It is alive and well. <laughs> yes, it and is living in each one of our bikes. Um, and but to, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Mostly in my knees, uh, my lower back. Uh, no, I you know, and it's it's fair to say that definitely these systems still creak, but But it's also fair to say that it's certainly not the problem it was even even a few years ago. And and it's because those tolerances got better. Uh, Manufacturers spent a lot more time uh, figuring out how to make the interface work better. And, you know, let's, let's also be honest here. Um, there, there's some bottom brackets out there that, you know, I remember just a few years ago, a couple companies came out and said, we've solved the press fit problem. Uh, you know, you don't have to get a, a new frame threaded, blah, blah, blah. You can just use our fancy new press fit bottom bracket. But really what they were doing was they were still taking two cups and threading them together. Uh, the threads were just on the inside of the cups rather than into, you know, the cups into the frame. So, once here we are full circle again, we're back to threads, you know, we've got yeah. the, the cups are threading yeah, no, into itself. Threads,
1: threads, threads are good. I right. mean, threads are, should be our friend. I right. mean, it's been around for way too long not to, you know, just to kind of like ignore the fact that they, they, they work really well and they help lock parts into place. Right. Um, yeah.
0: So, you know, and the, and the other thing to consider here, and I think, you know, Jay, you touched on this a little bit is, uh, you know, yes, you want, you want big bearings. Yes. You want, uh, you know, you want things to spin as quickly as possible, but there's durability issues sort of built into the, the nature of the bottom bracket, right? Cause it's, it's not only a place that, that undergoes a lot of stress, you know, when you're, when you're pedaling on it, when you're cranking on it, uh, but it also gets dirty and it gets wet. And so this is, this is like the absolute worst part of a, of a bike to have a spinning component. And yet here we are. Um so you know when we're talking about bottom brackets and all the issues that come along with bottom brackets there's still that baseline issue with bottom brackets right so you have to make it well Um, so regardless of whether there's threads or whether there's big bearings or little bearings, the thing has to work well, it has to be Mm -hmm. high quality. Uh, and so that, that's sort of the baseline problem that, that people are operating from when they're designing these things. And now you, you take away the, the threads and you're basically taking away one layer of security essentially. Um, so now we, like I said, we've come full circle. We've gone from threaded, then we got rid of our threads, we went back to threads. Uh, then we got, press fit, uh, with all, you know, 10 billion of the quote unquote standards, uh, which were basically just different sizes and methods of pressing the, 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 the bearings in now so many, many, and they still are here. I mean, I, there's not a week that goes by where somebody's not saying, Oh, we got a new standard. Uh, so, and it's, it's, it's a little absurd. Um, but you know, let's get back about what two almost three years ago now uh chris Mm -hmm. king among other companies uh, in conjunction with other companies released t47 tell me how we got back to threads and what t47 is
1: so um we were approached by a frame builder and basically hey what wouldn't it be nice if we had a press fit 30 shell um that was threaded and we looked at it and I said, yeah, you know, it, that would be nice because that's then we introduced threads back into the game. And, and and Chris and most people have been around long enough with bikes. Remember threads and threads are, you know, we're, were kind of we're we're cool. They saw they didn't we didn't have any issues with them. Um, and so some of us have been around long enough as well. Remember the America. Uh, the. Um, there was a bottom bracket standard that was trying to be in, that was being introduced back in I don't know I think in the in the gotta gotta be the late nineties or maybe even yeah about the late nineties and I think it was called um, America it was oversized two I think that was called or American oversized two and it was a forty eight millimeter thread by I believe the pitch of the threads was 2, 48 by two mm-hmm. and. It was it was a honker bottom bracket shell, and I remember we built a frame or two. At least my brother and I built a frame or two with that standard because you know you could buy the kit from I can't remember who, and they had taps and everything. Um, so Chris pulled this thing out and he goes, "Hey, remember this? This should be the the we should consider this again. It's already here. It's already been made. We have taps. There's a standard. There's a something that's been written about it. You know." So we um, we approached. We sh- we know that's that's our first attempt was actually a T48, based on exactly just what came out of this box, mm-hmm. like regurgitating it back up. Just going, hey, check this out. Right here we are. We're done. Yeah, <laughs> <Just> <laughs> the cups. We fixed the problem. So yeah. So we made this thing. We called it T48. Uh-huh. Um, and um, and what happened was that with the titanium market and the titanium frame builders now titanium tubes are super expensive as you know and it comes in x amount of sizes if you want to make your own size of tube your own actual dimensions you have to buy god knows how how many linear feet of it and you know you're you you're you're more you're, you're taking a second on mortgage out to do something like that sure um,
0: yeah.
1: so we had to use um so the bottom bracket shells and titanium frames are kind of a nominal size tube that people can that uh, Paragon, or you know, uh, who makes most of the bottom bracket shells? I know that they could buy and find and and create this bottom bracket shell for the TIE frame builders. And forty eight was too big, mm-hmm. um, was was too big a thread. You wouldn't have enough shell left, you know, which was which was uh, w- w- wouldn't be great for for welding, and then the and then the and then the chasing of the threads and all that stuff. So we all sat down. So somebody so in. While we were working on the T forty eight, somebody else was working on a T forty seven, a, a forty seven millimeter thing. So mm-hmm. we were approaching Paragon with our with our project, and somebody else was approaching Paragon with their project. I believe it was Praxis, and mm-hmm. I can't remember, and and White Industries. And we were all kind of like, okay, well, you know, you, we should all probably sit down and talk this out, just because we're going to end up with two bottom bracket standards and. Now we're all look like fools, you know? Right. Um, so we looked at it a little closely and then you know, we passed drawings back and forth and, you know, it took a while, but, um, but anyways, we agreed on uh, 47 because it, you know, we wanted to, you know, we sell parts to a lot of tie frame builders. I mean, the whole builder community as well as, um, as well as, um, uh, the dealers and, uh, we were, you know, clearly an aftermarket company. So we wanted to make sure that our stuff fit it made sense for people to replace OEM parts with, um, and, and to support the builder community, which is a, a big market for us. So we all sat down, agreed on some specs. And so the T 47, the T 48 disappeared, even though there was a few that we made and then, uh, got replaced with the T 47. And then we had to settle on a, uh, a, thread pitch that made the most sense. And, um, you know, we went with a finer thread, just and a, and a tighter tolerance, so that because you know, if you remember the English threads, the BSA mm-hmm. threads, the old school ones, like you said, you know, they all started off probably pretty tight, but years and years of manufacturing and having things made overseas, and then those things sometimes wander, you know, they 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 walk around. So now you have some frames where the cups are kind of sloppy until you get them tight enough, and then and then you the the bottom bracket tightens up against the flange, and then they're tight. But we were trying to avoid the whole idea of things being sloppy from the get-go, because we know, as manufacturing gets uh, gets done all over the world, things are going to get sloppy anyway. So, um, starting off with something of a tighter tolerance as far as threads yeah. um, gave us the probably will probably will we feel will give us the best results down the road. Sure, as other companies manufacture and adapt this system.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm um, going to make you the most popular guy on Twitter when I tell people, cause you know, a lot of people say to me, they say, how come the manufacturers never get together and talk to each other? And I'm really like, well, as, as it mm-hmm. turns out, JC SIP at Chris King, you know, they did. And they came up with a, an actual standard among different companies. Um, and I think that's what the major frustration here is, is that, there are so many "quote unquote" standard. They're not even standards. They're just variations, ideas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then they get thrown out there, and people, you know, people are dropping a lot of coin on a bike that's got this system that might not be there in in two years, and that's really infuriating for for a consumer. So there's there's definitely uh, a lot of that that uh, Twitter chatter is very much founded. I think I think that they, you know, there's a legitimate concern there. So it's it's good to hear that the development of the T47 took place among many companies rather than just one um, yeah I
1: think there were six people six companies or seven yeah. companies on the ta- and around the table talking this out which right. I'm going to say was, was really
0: good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so that begs the question, why hasn't T 47 just taken off like a, like a rocket? I mean, it seems like it's, it's blending the best of all worlds. It's got big bearings, it's threaded. Uh, it, it gives you everything you need, to, to, nothing you don't. Why, why isn't everybody snatching this up and building frames with T 47 right now?
1: Um, we, I think from the onset, we kind of knew that the builder market was going to be the quickest market to adapt. The custom frame builders, um, Paragon makes the shells. Uh, we had cutters made, uh, threaders and or um, taps. Sorry, and uh, he had uh, Paragon had taps made. Um, so that that the builder community got supported pretty quickly with T forty seven. And um, again, they're making one frame at a time, or maybe a handful of frames at a time. Um, So we knew it wasn't going to be adapted right away by mainstream or bigger, bigger brands because those guys produce mostly overseas um, in huge, huge quantities with uh, a ton of investment in their molds and their carbon fiber molds. So um, we had a lot of interest in the standard. We passed this. It was it was an open standard. It wasn't, you know, there was no rights, royalties, um, permission, whatever. Um, we pass it around to quite a few companies um, and fully knowing that we weren't going to see anything in the market and for a while just because of their manufacturing um, schedules and uh, and lead times and tooling constraints and, and whatever. Um, for instance, I mean, I mean, I was pretty happy to see the Ibis Haka MX with a T47 Mm -hmm. uh, bottom bracket shell and I believe there's can't exactly recall at the moment I believe there's some other companies out there that are looking at it and I think they may be coming to market with something that's um, that's that's a T47 Mm -hmm. but I know that the builder community definitely have grabbed a hold of it and now not everybody has adapted to it because there's still investment. There's still some money you have to shell out for taps, for T47 taps, not just buying the shell. Mm-hmm. Then there's, you know, all your, if you're building tie, you have all your um, purging lines, all your um, heat sinks, um, tooling for your jig, you know, on and on, right? But right. I mean, there's, there's been, we've been selling, uh, you know, some T47 bottom brackets for sure. Is it the same amount as our thread fit and thread fit 30 or even the press fit? Not yet, mm-hmm. but we're, Anticipating more, um, more activity from that um, product category for sure. Would you think it's bottom brackets?
0: Would you think it's fair to say that uh, the T forty seven could could be the future of bottom brackets
1: for some frame materials? And um, and if you know, if you're looking to have a contemporary frame made or you're gonna you're gonna manufacture it and it's in carbon fiber and you want it you want threads yeah i mean or not even in carbon fiber but in tie or in any material really i think it i think you have the best of both worlds you have an oversized bottom bracket shell you have a lot of material surface area to weld an oversized down tube to uh you know oversized c tubes everything is getting bigger right and then you get this stiffer bottom bracket area and then now you can plug with one shell you have uh you have four bottom brackets that we i know that we make that works on the t47 shell that allows you to have all the flexibility for all the cranks in the market Mm -hmm. so we have a 24 millimeter um uh hole that's inner and outer so you can have wider and narrower shells but with that same thread you have the ability to for the T47, you can have, yeah, we have two, four bottom brackets for the same shell mm-hmm. that allows you road, mountain, 24, and 30.
0: Mm-hmm. So you that can you straight. can essentially re- retrofit the crank you already have to this bottom bracket.
1: Uh, yeah, like, I, I mean, uh, my mountain bike currently now is a, um, it's a steel frame. It's a T47. It's, uh, I'm using Shimano cranks. No, sorry, I'm using White Industries cranks. I have a 30. I have a Chris King 30 X. So it's Mm -hmm. a 30 external bottom bracket um, shell Mm -hmm. that allows the 30 mil spindle. But if I want to go to Shimano, I don't have to do, I just, I just put in this, um, I can put a different adapter kit or I can run a 24 X, which allows me to use a Shimano 24 millimeter spindle. But you know, the shells oversized, I run my, my, I run my, uh, um, no, I think on my bike, there's no cables running through it, but some of those bikes are big enough, especially the molded carbon fiber frames. You have so much space around there to put all your cables through and all that stuff. So. Right, right.
0: Uh, Jay, we're, we're just about running out of time. What what am I forgetting about bottom brackets? What what should our audience know about bottom brackets, and and how can we reassure them that the future is bright in, in the world of bottom brackets?
1: <laughs> well, um, I think, you know, like I like you said earlier, more companies should actually talk. It's not I and mean, innovation is not bad. Innovating is what keeps the industry. I mean, it is a human powered machine we're talking about. So efficiencies need to be had, you know, ergonomics, efficiencies. Um, we're trying to get the best and capture the best out of what we're trying to do. Uh, so innovate, innovating is going to be necessary to continue to improve this activity and the sport um, as far as equipment is concerned. Um, But I think we can get more people on the table and talk about how to improve things together and have some benefits out of it. And mainly what we want to do is really protect the consumer and and the consumer takes care of the, the, the bicycle stores. And then everybody's maybe we can come up with ideas that are that are good for the whole industry and not just, you know, standards that get invented or ideas that get invented and a year later it's not supported and then and then we're all scratching our heads going you know why are we looking at this huge poster with like 50 bottom brackets i could buy and right. you know at a bike store and not knowing exactly which one you're going to buy right yeah. right right
0: jay thanks uh, very much for joining me today i, I appreciate you uh <laughs> sort of wading through the morass of bottom bracket troubles with me uh, and for those of you listening today, uh, if you have questions or comments about uh, Bottom Brackets, uh, or if you have any, uh, uh, basically any questions about what we talked about today, uh, please do tweet at me at dan, or feel free to comment on Facebook. Uh, and as always, Jay, thank you very much. Uh, thank you for listening to the Fellow News Tech Podcast.